0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the Two Credits Podcast. I'm Ari. And I'm Taylor. And today we're going to start off by talking about the uh, drama surrounding Epic. So, if you haven't heard, Epic decided that they were going to like <laughs> make a way to pay for V-Bucks and other purchases for Fortnite through their own payment provider. Like, they're providing the whole payment solution instead of the uh, platform holders. So especially on mobile, this is a big deal because for the most part, Google and and Apple require you to pay through them. They have their own payment-providing solutions, and they want you to pay through them, and they get, like, 30% off the top. But Epic decided to go ahead and say, screw that, you can pay through us, and we will give you 20% off. And obviously, when you have the two options of here's a $10 purchase or here's an $8 purchase, everyone's going to choose the $8 purchase. It means nothing to them which way they pay. They just want the 20% discount. So it existing was a problem in the first place, but they definitely like went out of their way to make sure that they pissed off platform holders in the process. And the obvious result... Is that they got removed from the Google Play and iOS app stores, and as a result, they then immediately—and I really do immediate mean immediately—and publicly launched a lawsuit on both companies right after each of the removals happened, and uh it's it's kind of been a crazy saga, hasn't it? It's like they yeah. They did that, and then they did the whole thing with the 1984 ripoff thing and um, Fortnite, 1980 Fortnite or whatever, and I mean, I just... They were ready. They were very ready.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of funny because it almost seems like they had somebody just sitting there waiting because they knew that they were going to get kicked off both of the stores. It was like they had someone sitting there waiting to tweet out their legal papers or whatever like immediately because weirdly they just straight up were like yeah we're suing apple here's a link and then you can just read all the papers um and same for the google play store and it was really it was really fast by all parties too because it was like i'm pretty sure it was only like a couple of hours for to get kicked off the app store and it took a while longer to get off of google play which is weird but it's just crazy right like it, because they obviously knew what was going to happen, because they had all this ready. So clearly they were intending to get kicked off of both the stores, to make a point. But I don't know, it seems like kind of an insane amount of money to be voluntarily walking away from, right? Because presumably on Android, if you want, and if you seek it out, you can still download Fortnite um, and sideload it. But on iOS, there's no way to get Fortnite anymore. And I believe people have been saying eventually the app for Fortnite on iOS, because it can't get updated anymore, is just going to stop working. And I think that may or may not have already happened. I'm not sure. I saw some people saying they couldn't play already, so I'm not sure if that was uh, related to that or not. But, like, they're clearly trying to take on these companies to get a way around having to be on their stores and having to give up that 30% cut. And for Apple, it seems like they kind of have a point because on iOS, your option is you go on the App Store and you give up 30% or you don't get to have an app on there at all. Whereas on Android, you don't actually have to use the Google Play Store. There's the Samsung Store, there's the Amazon one, or you can just do your own thing by sideloading it. So, I don't know, it's interesting, right?
0: Yeah, well, the main thing with Android is that they say that basically they've tried to negotiate deals with people that make the phones themselves, and they have not been able to because Google has blocked those deals. And that's the difference there. Yeah,
1: because Google can just say, like, like they have the ultimate leverage, even though they're not in as much control as Apple. Um, It was with OnePlus, I think, that they said they wanted to, I think, have, like, an epic... Launcher pre installed on those phones, but you know, I'm not sure exactly what happened, obviously. But Google can just say, like, well, we can't stop you from releasing an Android phone, but we can disallow you from having any of our Google services stuff on there, so no Play Store, etc., which would be really bad. So, obviously, for the most part, they have like the ultimate leverage, right?
0: Yeah, and also. On that note, you did say that that's an insane, money to be amount of, uh, an insane amount of money to be walking away from. But the thing that I'm more concerned with is like, okay, there's the whole money aspect of it. But there's a non-trivial amount of users that's on Android and iOS for Fortnite. Yeah, and there's for sure. been a lot of studies in recent times that have said basically like even a day of no service can be killer for a game especially a game of this size. So depending on how long this blackout lasts on iOS, this could be a non-trivial amount of users that they never get back just because they don't trust that it won't go out again.
1: Yeah, and think about it. Like, How long would a lawsuit like this take? It's not going to be over anytime soon unless they settle because if neither side wants to... like, If both sides don't want to settle because they can't reach some kind of agreement... Then it'll work like it always does, where eventually, after an insane amount of time, one side wins, and then there's an appeal, and then another side wins, and then there's an appeal, or whatever. So it'll take forever for this to even get, like, resolved one way or another. And obviously, they think that they have a chance to win, otherwise they would never have done this, because it was so carefully planned out, so obviously, but... I don't know. Like it seems crazy. It's just it it seems crazy to be willing to risk this much. And it almost to me seems like either they think that Fortnite is still going to be a huge thing in like 10 years or they're doing this with the hopes of not having to give up 30% for future endeavors, right? Yeah. But it's kind of crazy to do that in my mind because Can you really expect to have a product as successful as Fortnite ever again? I don't think you can rely on that, right? No, and Riot's...
0: I was just going to say, and Riot's feeling the pain of that right now with Valorant not reaching nearly the levels that uh, League did. Yeah, because even, like,
1: the best... Like, the companies that have, like, all the biggest stuff have a hard time, like, maintaining that forever, right? Like... I, I'm trying to think, of like, Riot, yeah, for sure, like, Teamfight Tactics, still pretty popular, things like that, but nothing as much as League, and then, I don't know, I can't even think of any others, Minecraft, like, can you really expect to have that again? That sort of thing, but, but, but they're so willing to throw away all these users and all this money, right, in the short term, because presumably they think it'll be worth it for them later on, but I feel like later on is probably years from now, at least for iOS, right?
0: Yeah, and also, it's crazy to me because they're not seeking any kind of, like, payment from either of these companies. They're just asking that they don't have to go through their payment providers. Like, that's that's literally it. It's such a crazy lawsuit because they're spending a ton of money in the hopes that they just never have to pay that 30% again. And yeah. it it's unprecedented in a way. And, I mean, I feel like in a way there's a chance that it could be over quickly Because, depending on how this goes in the very short term, Epic may just cave again. I mean, it's not like they hadn't already caved on Android, and people have been very quick to note that. But, um... Yeah. It it could happen. But, also, we could see some other, like, authority within the court system step up and be like, okay, well, you shouldn't be able to do this. Because the, the thing that Epic has... Cited is back when Windows, Microsoft was forced to do the same thing for Windows because of um, Windows PCs becoming so essential to daily life, and that's kind of the case that Epic is making now. Like, well, this happened once; it's, it can happen again, and it remains to be seen whether or not that will play out the way they want it to. But it is a stronger case than I expected.
1: Yeah, like I like for me. Um, I can see the merits of the argument against Apple because it kind of makes sense to me that, you know, as much as it is their platform, you know, they make the hardware, they make the operating system, like it's their thing, I still don't necessarily think they should be able to say your app has to be on our store or it can't be on our platform at all. Whereas with Android, it seems a little you know, less clear, like I know there is definitely the argument against Google shouldn't be able to block you from making those kinds of deals like they were trying to make to get their launcher on, you know, pre-installed on phones like the OnePlus line or whatever. But with regards to the store, I think it's kind of a shaky argument to say like that they can't set their own um, cut because it's their store. So I don't know. But it's it's also just crazy, like, it it's crazy how planned out it is, and it's kind of crazy how they seem to want to get the community on their side. Like, they obviously are trying to go for that because they're making it so public, and they had a whole marketing campaign about it with the 1984 thing. And I'm sure they'll probably have more, so... I wonder, maybe they're hoping that just people in the community will be mad? <laughs> And direct their anger at
0: Apple and Google, but I don't know how much that's really going to do I mean, on the other hand though, they're kind of a weird company, if you think about it, like their entire goal and they started an entire platform, the epic game store, just to challenge Steam's cut. It had nothing to do with like being on Steam. they were challenging Steam's cut, and that was the way they framed it. And now they have a store that's just continuing to go because Steam still hasn't been toppled. And now they're challenging the cuts from Google and from um, Apple. And it's a weird thing to see them openly spending money on challenging industry norms. And people can be as cynical about it as they want. You know, they're a business. They eventually have to make more money. But the question I have perpetually, is do they, though? Because I don't know how much money they're spending in relation to how much they're making. This could be like a drop in the pond that they're actually spending compared to what they make every day. And they could be doing this simply because they're anti-establishment or whatever. You know, it may not be as simple as, oh, they're doing this for, like, selfish reasons because they don't want to pay it. Like, it may not be that simple, but it may also be that simple. I mean, it's it's just a crazy thing to think that... We genuinely don't know what they're doing, but the overall, like, what's going to happen from it, if it goes their way, is going to be positive for the industry, regardless. And that's why I hate that I see a lot of people that are like, well, fuck Epic for doing this, because I'm like, but the end result is going to be good for everyone, no matter what happens. Yes. Like,
1: why... Well, you have people, I see people making the same dumb arguments as they did with PC, in my opinion, where at least on iOS, where they're like, oh, but I don't want there to be another store I have to use to download apps from, because they're just they they're just dumb and they don't care about the reality of it that giving up thirty percent of Fortnite money or whatever is an insane amount of money to have to pay just to be on that store when really they could probably be on any store and people would still download it. But anyway.
0: And then I also wanted to touch on... Okay, so Ars Technica, I think it was, put out an article where they said that Epic's war on closed platforms was very notably excluding PlayStation 4, Xbox One, etc. And my, my counterpoint to that is that they're missing the point entirely. So first off... These are not mandatory systems, they're gaming systems. So, Epic's entire lawsuit is framed around the idea that phones are essential to daily life now. Your PS4 and your Xbox One and your Switch are not essential to daily life. Therefore, it's not the same argument in the first place. But second off, in a more broad sense, iOS and Android are both open platforms in the sense that you can develop for them. Anyone can develop anything for either platform. Whether or not you can get it on the platform afterwards may require a little more closed like um closed environment like finagling on the part of iOS, but anyone can develop an app for these platforms. And yeah. that is not true of PS4, Switch and Xbox 1. There's a whole bunch of other gatekeeping involved. You don't even get a hold of the software to make these, much less the hardware, without approval. And so there is a whole other set of like criteria that have to be met before you can even make the argument that Epic is making for these platforms. Like there there's a whole other set of considerations and I think that's missing the point to say that there are not going after them and so therefore they're not going after like the entire entirety of closed platforms cuz but yeah
1: yeah but also like think about it this way as well they are already working on two very high profile that are lawsuits that are going to take a long time and be very expensive to resolve like how many are they supposed to be willing to take on at one time like can you imagine like they're already In Like, they've already filed suit against Google and Apple, and people want them to take on three more, potentially, (laughs) lawsuits against Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft? That would be insane. But also, going off of that, like, if they win these two, or if they win even one of these two, then that could help them to make a case against something else as well, right? So... But, like, just in any case, it would be crazy to have five of these lawsuits. Like, it's already crazy that they have... It'd be crazy if they had just one. And it's even more crazy that they have two. But can you imagine taking on five of these huge lawsuits at one time? Like, that is crazy. That is insanity. The amount of money that that would cost, like... And, you know, who knows if doing something like that would end up with, like... What if Fortnite got pulled off of PS4? <laughs> What if Fortnite got pulled off of Xbox? Like, they can't take on everything at once. That is insane to expect.
0: I mean, but also, they did this thing on all platforms where you get the 20% off, and I'm 90% sure that they have not been pulled off of any of the console stores yet. Like, the console stores have just completely allowed them to exist with this.
1: I wasn't sure that they um, did it on consoles, too. That's interesting.
0: Well, I'm pretty sure they did it on consoles. They did it on PC, even. I mean, why wouldn't they do it on consoles?
1: Yeah, that's fair. I just think it might hurt them. I I don't know. But, but it's it's a big deal, for sure. And I don't think anyone really expected this. And it was it was cool to see it go down, in a way, because, you know, first... Um, I don't remember what the messaging was at the very start of the discount. They said it was like a permanent discount, right? By going through their their payment thing for on the V Bucks. Yeah. So they they came out and said that there's gonna be this crazy permanent discount on V Bucks, which I'm sure already got everyone all excited because of how big Fortnite is, right? Like I don't even play it that much and I considered buying some V Bucks because of that. But and then from there, like everyone was wondering like how can they even do that? Like what are they thinking? How can they just do that on ios and android how can they subvert apple and just do it like how did i don't even know how they snuck that past the the app review or whatever the review process that it has to go through before going live on the store but they did and then we were all just wondering like what is gonna happen they of course they have to like apple has to pull it off right and then they did so soon and then we're all just like Well, what's like they had to know that they were going to get pulled off, right? And clearly, they did. I don't know. It's just crazy.
0: Yeah. I mean, (laughs) how comes the worst part though, where we have to sit here and wait for anything else to happen?
1: It's going to be. I I really think it's going to be a long time. I think it will be a very long time before something like this gets resolved in any meaningful way. If it if it ends up going all the way to court, I don't see how that takes anything less than like years because. No, I don't. I don't think any like either side would accept the outcome. If there's a if they have the ability to appeal, they're going to do that because I don't think either side is going to be happy with losing at this point, right? So yeah. I don't know. It's going to take a long time, and that's going to be the hard part. <laughs> but like, can you imagine if Fortnite isn't available on on iOS? or on the Google Play Store for, like, however many months or years this takes
0: to resolve. I don't even want to know what that's going to do with their numbers. No more free games, our lawsuit killed them. But it's kind of crazy,
1: too, because they are working so hard all the time to keep, to retain people to Fortnite, right? That's why they do those massive changes all the time, why they have all those crazy events where you can, like, watch movies and all that stuff, why they have, like, crazy tie-ins, like, what do they have, like, Star
0: Wars? Aquaman.
1: Deadpool. Um, Avengers, I think? they have, At one like, point, they yeah, have, they
0: had an Avengers mode, even. Like,
1: yeah, so, like, they do all this stuff very clearly designed to retain people, and, like, it seems like they're kind of throwing some of that away, which is just crazy to me, with how much they, they like, how hard they work on trying to keep things interesting so people don't leave. I mean, but
0: part of that might just be, like, overconfidence that if they can't play on this platform, they'll find another way to play.
1: That's true. But I think there's probably a decent number of people that play on mobile that might not have another way to play it. But also, that they might play less. Because if, like, you know, there's lots of situations where you might have your phone and be able to play, where you don't have access to something else and be able to play, like, at that time. So... I wonder, like, I wonder how hard this will hurt them in the short and long term.
0: Yeah, you have to wonder how calculated it was, or if it was just kind of a shotgun, like, let's just do it, and if it gets us in the end, who cares? Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, with that talked about, let's move on to, uh, more Xbox news, which, you know, the Xbox news is never ending these days. Uh, so the big one is that Halo Infinite got delayed thereby killing the only exclusive they had for launch that I am aware of, which is very interesting to say the least. I'm not really sure how they plan to recover for that from this. Their current messaging is that there will be thousands of playable games from across four generations on this console, but let's be honest, who's going to buy an Xbox Series X to play OG Xbox games? So, I mean, obviously Halo Infinite wasn't, like, the most appealing next-gen title, but it getting delayed is kind of a big deal. Yeah,
1: because, you know, in my mind, the way I see it is, overall, the PlayStation 5 is already way more appealing, but they... I can't think of anything off the top of my head that's that they have for, like, just straight up for launch that they had that I was really excited for. So the way I see it was, like, it seemed like Xbox Series X kind of had a fighting chance at the start because if they had Halo right away and the PlayStation 5 didn't have something like that right away, then maybe they could start, you know, getting some momentum even though... Their exclusives overall seem to be, you know, not getting the attention that they might like. Whereas now, like, now that they have nothing, I. It just seems like an easy choice to me. Like, it doesn't even seem like a choice to. Of which console to get.
0: Yeah, and even weirder though, like. They say that you're gonna have all these games across four generations, but like let's be honest, most people are going to be looking to Game Pass, especially now that there are no exclusives for the Series X. So many of the Series X patches are gonna be coming after launch, like the um what are they what do they call it, like improved with Series X or whatever? Um
1: Oh, optimized for Series optimized X. Optimized for Series X, that's it, yeah.
0: So yeah. there are so many of those patches are coming after launch. There are no exclusives, and people are going to be looking to Game Pass because it's their cheap way to play games that are Xbox exclusive, and the majority of those are going to be Xbox One games, right? You're not going to have a ton of like 360 and OG Xbox games at launch that are going to be available through Game Pass. And I'm not even sure how they're going to be available in general at this point, because they just say they're going to be there and are a little nonspecific about it. And just... It's a very weird thing to be thinking about the majority of the games that people that buy this are going to play are going to be from last gen. Yeah, it and, definitely is. And they're going to do it willingly because of Game Pass. Like, it's such a weird thing. Like, I don't even... Yeah, it just seems strange because I don't really
1: know what their game plan is here because, you know, I could be wrong. But it feels like all signs right now point to this being a heavily Sony-dominated generation once again between the two. And I just feel like their best chance, in my mind, was because they had Halo, they might have a stronger start, which could help you know, maybe snowball into something and get them some momentum off the bat. But I feel like once the PlayStation 5 gets rolling, it's going to be too late. Like, I don't see any way with what they've talked about right now, that they are going to have a slower start. Like I, I anticipate them having a slower start and I don't see how that will pick up later on because you see it time and time again. The console that starts the strongest, usually, if it gets a big enough lead, is the one that maintains that lead for the rest of the generation because just of how it, how it snowballs. Because like if all your friends get a PlayStation, or whatever, you're probably not going to get an Xbox then, because then, you know, for the most part, you're still not going to be able to play with them. Or, you'll be missing out on a lot of the games that they're playing and talking about. So, I don't know. I I understand that if if Halo is not ready, it's not ready. But, it's just crazy to me that it isn't ready. You know what I mean? It feels like they should have had their stuff ready.
0: But also, you have to think about, like, this is... A very good indicator of how their generation is going to go, where they're just not even ready for it, and I, I feel like that's not going to change, because when you think about Sony, you think about the fact that they literally just ended a generation on Death Stranding, Ghost of Tsushima, and Last of Us 2, and we can't even get Xbox to start a generation strong. If they can't yeah. start it strong, where is it going to end? Like, is there going to be, like, one period of maybe three months where all of these games that we've been waiting for come out at once, and then nothing? Like, how is this going to work? Yeah. I mean... I don't know. It's just...
1: it. It's, it's so unfortunate, because I actually tend to like the Xbox consoles... A little more but it feels like i never have a good reason to actually choose that one or to even like this time around with the way things are looking i don't see any reason for me to get one ever even later on which is just i don't know it feels like there's never there's never good news about xbox at this point like for the next generation
0: anyway well And the thing I didn't touch on is that the Halo Infinite news is actually even weirder, because during that bizarre Animal Talk, Animal Crossing stream that for (laughs) some inexplicable reason had both one of the Sprouse twins and Phil Spencer on it, and I will never understand how that came to pass, but in that stream they revealed that Halo Infinite was delayed so that it wasn't split into multiple parts and yeah. i don't even know what that means they had never well, said anything about that previously like i
1: forget who it was there was somebody who seemed to have some kind of insider knowledge i don't i'm sorry i honestly don't recall who it was but somebody had been saying if halo comes out for i think they said november or for launch or whatever it was if halo comes out this year then it won't be with the multiplayer i think is what they were saying or that some aspect of the multiplayer would not be ready in time from what they had heard and this seems to maybe confirm that maybe that is what the problem was and why it wasn't ready is because they want like when they talk about splitting it into multiple parts maybe they mean either some parts of the multiplayer is in like some modes or just the multiplayer in general were not going to be ready in time
0: well see that's not really inspiring though because i think when a lot of people heard that was going to be delayed what they were hoping for is that they were going to completely rework the way it looked and make it look more like a current gen game but to hear that they're delaying it because the recently announced must i add um free to play multiplayer component wasn't going to be ready in time like that is not the delay you want to hear about in this case
1: for sure And the whole thing is just so bizarre. Like I just, I, I, you know, I know that this year has been rough for a lot of companies because of, of of COVID and everything. And, you know, it definitely hasn't gone the way that they had hoped. And I'm sure it's been very difficult on all the different teams trying to make games and stuff like that. Cause you know, it's not an easy process to just, uh, you know, have like a huge studio with all of a sudden everyone's trying to work from home And you're trying to like whip together an environment where that can actually work. But it still just seems crazy to me that they seem so much less ready than like, it seems like Sony for the most part is doing okay with keeping up with stuff. You know, they've had a few delays, but in terms of next gen stuff, it seems like they're just right on schedule. Whereas Microsoft, it just feels like they're always behind on something.
0: I think it's actually a little ironic, because Phil Spencer, I think it was, was the one that warned that early next year was when we were going to really start feeling the effects of COVID in the games industry, and here we are, and they can't even make it that far. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. I I just feel like this has completely sealed Xbox's fate, and it's kind of going to be one of those things where, like, we've kind of got a similar situation to when the Xbox One was going to launch. I know that it saw a lot of backlash, but the whole online-only aspect where you could share games in a similar manner to the way that Steam is doing now, except yeah. on a per-game basis, which is what everyone wanted Steam to be doing, um, that was an appealing feature to me, right? But that was an appealing feature that was not backed by the games at the time. And so I feel like what we've got here is exactly the same thing, where we've got xCloud, and we've got some of the other stuff, which are appealing features that are not backed by the games. And that seems to be Microsoft's thing. Thinking ahead, without being able to just do the basic things.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I keep saying this, but it feels like all those studios they picked up should have, you know, started paying off by now, but they... Kind of aren't like I I know that they will, but it feels like the move if you can make it is to buy a bunch of studios and then have them get stuff going and ready like much sooner than what all their stuff is going to be ready for, which seems to be like a lot of it doesn't even have a date, which means it's probably like you know not not this year, maybe even not next year. So that's just that's a very far time away for me to care about if you know whoever is going into gamestop and buying a console this you know this winter that's that's a long time away and i don't think anybody is going to really care about that they're going to care about what's available now
0: and i mean i haven't really touched on it even though we've talked about this a lot but the most baffling of all of these companies that just haven't been able to get their stuff out are obsidian and rare and the reason for that is like what has rare done recently other than you know sea of thieves which i mean i appreciate the updates that they're doing but they're not like the most substantial updates yeah consider like over time and, like, maybe a little bit of development work on Battletoads. Like, I know they're involved, but, you know, it's mostly being handled by another studio that I've never heard of. Um So, I mean, what, what have they really been doing? They could have had another game ready. Or at least it feels like they should have been able to. And Obsidian has just been constantly putting out games year after year recently. And we've got The Outer Worlds that just came out. And... It feels like they should have had something to follow up with. Maybe it wouldn't have been avowed, right? But it should have been something. There should have been something that they would have ready right in time for this launch. Or at least it feels like that's the case. And there isn't. Yeah. And, I mean, I I also am confused as to why Psychonauts 2 isn't done, obviously, but it's Double Fine, and my my expectations of Double Fine are basically nothing at this point. So um, Yeah, I
1: mean, Obsidian did have Grounded, but... I feel like that didn't really turn out... That so far does not
0: seem super promising to me, so... Well, Grounded was a side project from, like, four or less people at the studio. Yeah. So, it's a completely different situation. But... Yeah. Yeah, I'm just completely baffled as to why none of these have paid off. Like, they've bought so many studios, and none of them have a launch title. And now, not even Microsoft themselves have a launch title and yeah, I don't know what is going on. I don't know. I, I just don't know. <laughs> anyway, so enough ragging on Microsoft for the millionth time. Uh, We're going to move on until to... Until next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, until next <laughs> week. So we're going to move on to... Briefly, I want to mention that Origin Access and EA Access are now becoming EA Play, which is kind of a... An interesting move because you know, like, for the for a very long time, inexplicably, Origin Access was called Origin Access on PC because of the Origin client, whereas EA Access was on consoles, and now yeah. they're going under a, the same branding. And this makes sense, but it's inexplicable why it took this long. And the well, EA
1: Access was was weird from the start because originally it was only on Xbox too, from what I remember. So.
0: Yeah, now it's on PS4, like, I think.
1: Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure, yeah. And part, but also, like, I don't know, like, did they say if if um, the same subscription will kind of carry over? as In terms of, like, is it the same subscription for console and PC now? Or is it still two different ones? Because I feel like that could be weird.
0: It does not say in the article. As far as I'm aware. Like, it doesn't specifically say that. But yeah, it would be weird to have the same subscription on multiple consoles that are separate. But, I mean... Or not,
1: if it's called the same thing. Like, I feel like either way is kind of strange.
0: Either way is very strange. But, um, I feel like this is timed well, though, because the thing is, it can't be called Origin Access anymore because they're putting it on Steam. Which is also bizarre, because just... It it's weird to think that there's going to be a subscription service for someone else's games on Steam.
1: It's kind of weird that they're coming back to Steam at all. Like I it's been a very very long time since they started up Origin and it's been a bit shorter than that that everything has been exclusive to Origin from EA, but I don't know, like they aside from blizzard they were pretty much the ones that were off of steam the longest so it kind of felt like i don't know like my perspective would be that probably launching your own store and taking all your stuff off of steam or whatever that's probably hardest off the bat and then after a while it probably levels out a bit so it's strange to see them come back after all these years you know
0: Yeah, I mean, I know Battlefield 5 did terribly, but as far as I was aware, the rest of the games had done perfectly fine, including, and especially, Fallen Order, I thought had done perfectly fine. And, I mean, EA, I always thought that they were one of those companies where most of their sales are on consoles anyways. (laughs) Yeah,
1: because they have all the sports games. Or, no, many of the sports games, not all, but...
0: So I'm not entirely sure why it is that they decided to go back to Steam if they just kind of, like, thought that there was no reason not to all of a sudden, or what, but...
1: I mean, there is the fact that the cut is a bit lower now at a point, so that might help with that decision.
0: That is true, that might have encouraged them to come back. But, like, there are a lot of people that were pointing to it like, oh, look at the, like, hunt. Are, um, tens of thousands of people that are playing Star Wars The Old Republic on Steam right now and I'm just sitting there like okay and there are probably tens of thousands out of the 275 million people that play Steam or use Steam that were stupid enough to not just download another platform you know like it's not surprising to me
1: but but it's kind of crazy too because they're, they're bringing over um, Apex as well like, a free-to-play thing, so they're probably, I guess, going to be giving up... Like, for in-game purchases, if it's on Steam, I feel like Steam would have to take a cut, right? No, they don't have to. There
0: There are tons of games that do not go through Steam at all.
1: Oh, okay. Interesting.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like they would, because it streamlines things. It allows you to use Steam's payment processing, which allows users to have a more streamlined experience. but they don't have to. Interesting. As far as I'm aware. Like, I don't know if there's an exact, like, policy on that, but there are tons of games that literally do not have any hooked up, or any stuff hooked up to Steam at all. But,
1: but the other thing, too, is, like, so they, they're renaming this this subscription, right? But um, Origin Access, like, have they said anything about on Steam? Um, because I know with Origin Access, there's non-EA stuff on there, on Origin so
0: is are those games going to be part of it on steam too or like i'm pretty sure they're not from what i've seen of the preview page it looks like they're not
1: which makes sense but also like it seems weird to rename it Then, if like is it going to be a two different products still like in practice i, I don't I, know it's just, i
0: think it will i mean that's, that's just
1: yeah, that's so weird so such a weird thing to do
0: It really is, and I mean, one of the weirder things, though, and something that I'm sure people aren't going to be happy about in the long term, is you're going to get exclusive rewards and member-only content with the subscription, but you're also going to get exclusive in-game challenges, which means there's going to be certain, like, stuff that you can do in-game, like, challenge yourself to do, and you will not be able to do those without the subscription, and that is such a weird thing, like... I don't know what that means yet. Like, could it mean that we're just getting, like, Apex challenges or something? Because, you know, they have them for the Battle Pass. Like, are we just going to get more if we pay for the subscription? But it could... Or is it going to mean, like, you know, you have the Ubisoft Club reward things, where you do X amount of stuff in-game, and you get stuff back for that that then you can use on more in-game content and it's kind of a cycle like is that yeah. going to be the kind of thing that we're going to get i mean there there's are so many things they could do with this and i don't know that it's going to go over well that it's locked behind a subscription
1: yeah i, I really want to know what that stuff is because i was you know i was reading that and i'm trying to think of like what exactly that means but it can mean so many different things so but um, I don't recall. Do we know when that's actually launching yet on Steam?
0: On Steam, like when... I don't know. But they're changing the branding on the 18th, so I would assume that that was when the Steam thing is also going to go live. Okay. It would make sense, at least. Yeah, it would. Anyway, so it's not too far off. Nope. Anyway, so uh. Now that we've gone over that briefly, we should more specifically talk about Apex, because they finally dropped the trailer for Season 6 that answers a lot of our questions. And um, I have been openly critical on Twitter and other places of the idea of crafting in Apex, and I think they may have found a solution that I am okay with, like it's not something I'm happy about, but it feels like it will slot into the game naturally. And the way that they're doing that is, it looks like you pick up resources as you play the game. We're not really sure about how yet, because it's just a trailer. Um, And then you can spend those resources on a specific set of items that can be crafted that are just normal items that you find throughout the game, like mods or guns or I think even ammo. But you go to a station like a crafting station, and there's a specific set that it has that you can pull from. And the crafting stations look like they're dropped the same way that care packages are, so it kind of looks like there's a certain element of randomness, like you don't just have um, crafting materials and then you go to the same place every time, kind of like in Fortnite, before they added the uh, mobile ones that you can throw onto the ground. Yeah. So it looks like there is some level of balance. It's not a thing that you're going to rely on, is what it looks like. It's look. It looks like a thing that you can do if you're already behind. And I'm okay with that. Only if yeah. I'm right about the drops, though.
1: Yeah, we'll have to see about that. But the one thing that's weird about it is it seems like some of the stuff is going to be changing over time. So, uh, from what I remember, there was some stuff that said permanent, as in like, Seems like those will always be things that you can get, like, I think, armor and stuff like that. But then there was stuff that said daily, which means, like, it, you know, maybe that changes out every day, which would be kind of weird. Like, I think the the gun was, like, a daily thing. Yeah. So that could change things up. Like, you know, if you have a strategy, like, I always want this gun and you can't find it, then, you know, maybe that's a more reliable way for you to always be able to execute that strategy to some extent you know if there's a loadout that you really like yeah but i you know i think it really comes down to how cumbersome this is to interact with because definitely when they talked about crafting in apex i wasn't really excited about it and i was a bit worried because i didn't really want i I didn't really want like a weird thing where there's different kinds of materials you have to pick up or you know, where it's this annoying thing because like the way that the inventory works in Apex is so different than Fortnite, for instance. And I was worried it would be a really cumbersome thing to deal with. But if it ends up being like the crafting materials you just get them from the loot bins or whatever, kind of the same way that the treasure packs just pop out alongside the other stuff, then that sounds okay. But also I hope that the materials don't replace any drops, either like just stuff lying on the ground or in the bins, because I think that would be very annoying. Especially like, you know, at the very start of a match, just imagining like, you know, if sometimes there's unlucky times where your building doesn't have a gun as it is. I would find it infuriating if you drop somewhere and not only was there not a gun, instead there's just a bunch of crafting crap everywhere. Well, <laughs> especially if
0: they're drops. You know, like, especially if it's, like, the care packages and you have to find one, and it's not in the same place every time.
1: Yeah, that's why I really hope it's, like, if it's, like, a treasure pack where it just comes out alongside the other stuff, but it doesn't replace any drops in the bin or anything, that sounds fine. And that sounds, like, whatever. Because I think it should be something that you should be able to ignore without it being annoying, you know? Like, if you don't want to deal with that. In the same way that you don't have to go for a care package if you don't want to. But yeah. you can.
0: Yeah, and the other thing about that is that if it does come out of the um, the supply crates like the treasure packs did, it would be on theme for the way that the game has been going because the treasure packs were specific to this season. Like it was a specifically right. LOBA release thing. So if they just replaced that every season with something different, it would be on theme. And yes. it would make a lot of sense if they did that. But yeah, I mean, I also found it interesting that they specifically seem to have revealed that the Turbocharger and the Devotion are going back into rotation. And that's pretty yeah. significant because previously the Turbocharger, when the Devotion became one of the gold guns, just didn't exist. It was nowhere yeah. to be found anymore, which put Havoc user to the disadvantage because you could no longer get rid of that spin-up at the beginning. You only had the select fire. So you can only choose between the one beam attack or waiting to spin up. So it's going to be interesting to see that back in rotation. Now that, uh, On the other
1: hand, like it, it, you know, what impacts does that have? Like, I feel like with the devotion coming back and with the turbocharger coming back, and with the new gun, the Volt, the energy SMG that they've talked about, like maybe it will be a heavily energy weapon-dominated season, because the new gun is an energy weapon. And the turbocharger coming back on the Havoc is, and on the Devotion, is like a big power boost to those guns, right? And right now, they are presumably, you know, they've been balancing those guns around that not existing. So it seems like it'll probably be very strong
0: yeah it will be interesting to see how that changes i mean at at the very least, now that we've had all of the snipers moved into you know sniper territory, there won't yeah. be an energy weapon sniper that dominates as well, so there is that guarantee at least
1: yeah true but um the interesting thing about the snipers is that um that I learned is that they actually still perform the same way that they always did like the the triple take was an energy weapon originally. And it's, like, its rules follow the rules of energy stuff, whereas, like, the longbow fires the same way that heavy guns fire, things like that. So, but anyway.
0: Yeah, so, also, though, I am curious how the new character is going to play out. Because it seems like she's very support-heavy, despite being, like, technically offense-defense between the two different abilities, she does seem very support-heavy, and the reason for that is she can drop a turret that anyone can jump on, but then she also has a shield that, I mean, I, I know you haven't played it, but it's very similar to one of the characters in um Rogue Company, where it has like the window at the top, and then the yeah. bottom part is just solid. And I'm very curious to see how this plays out in real time because it looks like she can put up multiple shields so you can have your entire team like guarded and then just a turret behind it and i'm wondering if people are going to use that in the end game to camp a lot so and i'm wondering how powerful this turret is how much ammo it has like how long it stays online whether you can replace it there there are a lot of things that we don't know about this ability yet that i'm it, it whether or not it will be annoying will be predicated on the answers
1: can you imagine that combined with like Watson fences everywhere or like the caustic gas traps everywhere? Like it seems definitely like something that could be really strong and very difficult to push into. Especially if you have like the energy fencing and maybe if you had like the Watson Ultimate near the near the turret, because it seems like one of the ways to deal with the turret would be to throw a grenade at it. To force the person that's on it out of it or something, but, or maybe to blow up the turret, depending on how it works. But, like, I don't know. It seems definitely like something that could be super strong. Or something else that people mention is, like, what if Gibraltar throws down his shield in such a way that they can shoot you with the turret, but you can't shoot them? Like, is that possible? (laughs) Things like that. Like, there's a lot of interactions that I really wonder about.
0: Yeah, and then also, one of the things that I was just thinking as you were saying that, like, what if you can end up using the shield to block off, like, doorways? Because when we played Hyperscape, for example, one of the big (sighs) things that it had was, you know, the wall ability? It couldn't block, like, all the way up to a ceiling. Like, it literally only came up to, like, knee height at most if you put it inside a building. So what if the new shield that Rampart has can instead block off doors entirely?
1: Yeah. I feel like there has to be a way to break through, but I I just... Yeah. It would be... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. There's so many questions. And I really want to know more about the vaults, too. Like, I want to see how that gun works and see how it how it performs and what that's like.
0: Yeah, I mean, it looks basically just like an energy SMG just off the bat, but it will be interesting to see especially like what the recoil is like because it's an energy weapon and not a physical weapon. I'm curious yeah. to know what that's going to be like. Well, and I I don't recall seeing this off the top of my head,
1: but people were talking about the possibility of there being an extended energy mag too. That could exist. Um, I don't... I, I wish I could remember where where I saw that. But... Please
0: don't let that be on the Turbocharger. <laughs> I mean, not the Turbocharger, the Devotion. God damn it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But, I mean... Yeah, please don't let that be on the Devotion. Or the Havoc, honestly, with the Turbocharger. Either of those.
0: But, oh god, they have the L-Star now, too! Oh yeah,
1: there's the, <laughs> there's the L-Star, yeah. I, wa- I don't even i don't even know but like in terms of like so what did you think of of this season from what you played and like do you do these kinds of changes like pull you in anymore like do they do you find it more interesting than than what you played of this season or like what do you feel about that
0: well i mean this season just felt like smoother overall like when they first added world's edge i hated world's edge like the entire design of the map was a mess and I just constantly felt like I was being walled off by the mountains and everything, and forced to yeah. specific ways that I was always getting shot. And they've redesigned it in a way that it feels a little, a lot better to maneuver around. So, I mean, a lot of the changes they've made have just been overall positive. And like, I don't know, it it it's not really down to mechanics, like for the hero or the legends and stuff that were keeping me away before it was the battle pass design it was the level design you know having to play world's edge exclusively before they added both of them into rotation was just yeah not fun when, when they were first starting it out and like it's this it's the features around the game that have changed that make it much more appealing now and so it's more like these changes don't feel like they're going to push me away yet more than they draw me in
1: okay yeah that's a fair answer one thing that i've always liked like i know there's there's certain legends which are you know if you look at win rates or whatever just better than others at whatever levels of play like high high level play or whatever but at least for me just playing it kind of casually I don't feel like there's been any Legends so far that they've added which are just hugely overpowered, which is nice. Like, it feels like you can play any of them and be fine, and, you know, although some some stuff is definitely hard to deal with at times, it always feels pretty pretty fair, at least to me. Like, you know with, like, as as frustrating as Caustic is, for instance, when you need to push into a building that he's in or something. Like, you You have an idea of how to deal with it. And it does feel fair, because... or And and so I just hope that the new hero feels like that, too. Yeah. Like, that they're not too overwhelming, is what I'm saying. Because so far, I think they've done a pretty good job with they all feel fair. Yeah, and or I mean, Eventually, they've gotten to a point where they feel fair.
0: Yeah, and on that note, I mean, like, I love playing Loba and all, but, like, she, she's so, like weird in terms of playstyle that even the teleport isn't overpowered because you have to wait for it to drop right and if you drop it manually you don't go as far and it can only be thrown in a specific arc that doesn't like cover a whole lot of space and there's a cooldown when you actually teleport so that you can't immediately start shooting people right afterwards and i've actually died because of that and And it's very visible too yeah it is very visible and it makes that shing kind of sound that everybody yeah. can hear. And, I mean, it's just so balanced because of all those features that, like... I mean, I I have faith, because that is the most recent hero, that it will be balanced, the new one. Yeah. But I'm also seeing a lot of problems that I think may need balancing once people actually get a hold of it.
1: Yeah, I think it depends, because the turret does sound very powerful on paper, but I also, like, think about it, and, like, can you just be insta-killed via a headshot from a sniper or something while you're sitting up there, because Apex is all about the mobility. So I, I think it really depends like how all the interactions play out in practice, because the turret seems very powerful, but it also seems like you could be very vulnerable too. So I, I wonder like how... like If the walls aren't too overpowering, I think it could be, it could be um, balanced and able to play around.
0: Well, on that note, the walls actually do, from the trailer, look like they are very deliberately shorter than the turret. Right. So, I mean, it may be that you're right, that they want you to just stay still and get shot. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that's about all I have to say on that. You?
1: Yeah, pretty much. I'm excited for it, but um, also I need to see like how the stuff actually plays out.
0: And hopefully it's
1: as, it's as smooth as it was this season, because I actually really enjoyed this season overall.
0: Well, at least we've only had like what three days until we find out. Um, I don't recall. Yeah, some. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I so, think it's
1: on the seventeenth.
0: Yeah, so it'll be pretty quick. Anyways, yeah. um, so that's all the news for this week. Uh, we're gonna talk now about Remnant a little bit because it was free on the Epic Game Store, and I finally got a play- chance to play it. And honestly, uh, I don't usually like Souls Likes. I don't like them because they ask you to learn a bunch of very specific situations and learn about or rely on muscle memory rather than in the moment decision making and i hate the idea of just practicing over and over until muscle memory takes over i'd rather it be because i didn't make the right decision um obviously you know something like a fighting game is a different story where you have to have both but like for the majority of things, like Soul's Legs, it's, it's down to muscle memory, and I don't tend to like that. But I've been enjoying Remnant, and part of that might be the gun focus, where I feel like I have more time to just sit there and think about what I'm going to do. And it's, I don't know, I, I actually like the way it feels. I love the kind of like Wild West post-apocalypse aesthetic. And like, there's a specific character that I even tweeted about, but um, named Mudtooth or something like that. And just the interaction with him is one of the most genuine interactions I have ever seen in a game, and it might be one of my favorite moments of all time. Just, like, hidden in this game that's, like, mostly Souls-like dreariness. Yeah. It it was just such a great moment, and I did not expect that. But, yeah, I've been enjoying it.
1: Yeah, I think it's really cool, um, because I think it's a lot of people tend to describe it as like oh it's dark souls with guns which i think is actually a pretty big disservice because they do so much to make it not just that like i don't think it really plays in that same way because of the way that you know because you're shooting but also just all the different mechanics around the edges like you have all these abilities that you can pop off with and you have like Let's say if you go down, it's not the end if you go down. Like, you don't automatically get reset, at least in co-op. Like, your, your partner or partners have a chance to get you back up so you can keep going, so you don't just lose all that progress and have to go back to the last checkpoint or whatever. And I think one really cool thing that it does that, you know, if if you're just playing it, you probably don't even notice, is that it's um, the, the kind of procedural generation that it does in such a way that you will not encounter everything there is in the game on your first time through like the 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 bosses that you encounter will not always be the same some of them are I'm pretty sure because some of them like the, the ones that have big story significance I believe are always the same but um, you know the fact that let's say you and your friend are playing together and you know maybe one of you has played before and it's not just the exact same thing i think that does so much to keep it fresh and to keep um
0: to keep it interesting
1: really because you're not just going through the same thing over again
0: and actually like on that note i wanted to talk about it's actually so well designed for co op so the procedural generation aspect of it and the fact that everyone has their own different world that you're you're playing in may elicit a feeling of State of Decay too for the people that have played that, but that's not how it works. You share progression in a way that is just very comfortable. Basically, everything that you find in the world automatically gets shared between all members of your group like not everyone doesn't have to pick it up literally one person picks it up and everyone gets it that means guns that means crafting resources that means tomes that give you trait points everything is shared except for ammo and like it from the ground up this was made for co-op and it is very refreshing because like we already don't get enough co-op games in general like there there's so much that has advanced in online play and yet Everything is so starkly focused on the whole competitive aspect of everything. So we already don't get enough co-op games. But then so many of these co-op games don't really account for co-op. Like You you don't play like together with people. At times you're almost playing against them to get the resources you need. And it just feels great that Remnant has taken all of that into consideration. And one of my favorite systems, isn't even about that... But like the dragon heart system, the health potion equivalent, like so, you actually have normal health potions too. But dragon hearts restore and more than normal health potions, and they regen every time you stop at a checkpoint up to whatever your maximum is. But not only do they regen your health, the dragon hearts also serve as the amount of times that you can res friends. Yes. So what your healing that gets regenerated. And your reses are shared by the same pool. And it's tense and I really like it. Like, I don't know yeah. why I like something that's so incredibly limited, but like it just it feels interesting that you have to manage that. And you're managing well, that resource more than you're managing something like stamina.
1: I think it's kind of cool because it almost makes you feel guilty at times if you end up taking a ton of damage because then you're like, well, let's say I only have one left. I don't really want to just use it, because what if I need to get my friend up or whatever? Like, it's 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 kind of a little bit of riskiness, I guess, because if you just pop them all, then you can't get your friend up if they go down, or they can't get you up if they've used all theirs. So I think that's kind of cool, the way that that works. And I, I also think that it does a pretty good job of, like, I really tend to dislike a lot of the time when you have very limited bullets in games because I hate running out. I hate that that feeling because, you know, I know it's supposed to introduce tension, but it can also make it very boring, at least for me because, you know, I want to shoot in the shooting game. And this game has limited ammo to some extent. But I think they do a pretty good job of like you might get pretty low after, you know, a rough encounter but you never have a situation really where you're never forced to have a situation where you have none like you always have some kind of options because you can buy those ammo packs to carry around or enemies drop ammo like just enough where you know you kind of have to be willing to switch between your two weapons or you might even run out for a weapon but you at least have something which i think you know helps with the tension but doesn't get to that point where it's frustrating
0: yeah and on that note it it has it is very cleverly balanced at least on normal because one of the things i noticed is one of the bosses that i went up against the Ent. i don't know if you face that one or if it's a story one or whatever um it feels very easy if you keep moving but the moment you stop moving everything in that boss fight just falls apart because yeah there are just constant, like, root rot AoEs going on. There's constant, the explosive root rot mushroom things coming at you. And, like, if you keep moving, it's like, oh, well, this is a breeze. But the moment you stop moving, it just, like, slams you very hard. Everything. Well,
1: and something that I really like about that, too, is... um You know, it's not always the case, but in a lot of the Souls games that I've played, there are things that will basically straight-up one-shot you from full health at times, in a lot of them. Not in all of them, but at points in many of them. Whereas, at least so far in this, like, especially in, in the fight with the Ent, we'll say, you can get in a situation where, let's say you get staggered from something, and then you take a lot of damage, and then you also have no stamina, and you're in, like, a really rough, intense spot and you, but you don't just straight up die because you made one mistake. Like the mistake hurts you a lot and it's it can be really hard to dig yourself out of that, especially in that fight where there's so many enemies running around and so many explosions going off everywhere and you need to keep moving, but you just ran out of stamina or whatever because you mismanaged it. But there there's always there's pretty much always a way to dig yourself out of it, which you know, again can really help it make Really help make it feel very tense and a little bit stressful in a good way, but doesn't feel as unfair as some stuff in other games does, where you just get, like, insta-killed by something.
0: Yeah, and especially with how long that fight in specific is, like, if you got one shot right near the end just because you happen to misstep, oh god, would that feel bad.
1: Oh, you mean, like, in the search, uh, the search? <laughs> the
0: final <laughs> boss? and i had to t- try like 50 times yeah or like the Sekiro one where you beat one boss and then go to another boss that then one shots you because you were worn out from the first boss
1: oh yeah that can feel bad but i i don't know it's just crazy because i i think i mean i think a lot of people in game communities actually kind of do games a disservice by the way that they offhandedly describe them sometimes but like i think calling this you know, like a Dark Souls with guns is like the biggest disservice I've seen in a while for a game because I think a lot of people do that just, you know, off the cuff because they know what they mean by that. But I think calling it that could be very unappealing. But it's not that. Like it's so much more designed to be played with other people and it's not that kind of experience. Like it has some of those elements but it's not that.
0: Yeah, if I, I went into it only because it was free. I'm gonna be completely honest. I would not have paid money for this knowing that people had called it Dark Souls with guns. And honestly, I am kind of ashamed that I just didn't do the research and just kind of went, oh, it's Dark Souls with guns and walked away because it really is such a different experience and it's such like an interesting experience. Like the world is so specifically built. Like, there was so much care that went into the exact way that the apocalypse happened, the exact way that, like, people act in the apocalypse. Like, the whole, like, morality of it is questioned on multiple occasions by multiple characters. And it it really was very carefully designed. And it does... It It's not Dark Souls with guns. Let's just put it that way. It's a yeah. difficult game with stamina management and the checkpoint system, but it takes very little else from Dark Souls. And, like, if, if you're listening to this and you sit there and you're thinking, okay, I would love another co-op game, but I don't want to play a Dark Souls game, give it a shot while it's free. You might as well.
1: Yeah, I think it's probably, at least for me, You know, I unfortunately just got Remnant like recently, so I could have. But anyway, (laughs) um, if like, I'd say it's probably, at least in my opinion, like the best or one of the best games that Epic has given away so far. And I was really surprised to see that it was going to be given away, given how good of a game that it
0: is. I wonder how much they're paying for that. Because don't they pay like out of pocket for every one of the free copies that is claimed?
1: yeah, I don't know how it works i I'm pretty sure uh, some i uh, maybe it differs because um total war the total war one was seven and a half million copies, I think, so at fifty dollars
0: like, a piece that would be kind of insane,
1: yeah, I feel like there's no way it was that, but I don't know. I would love to know that because yeah, like a a lot of these games must be like millions of copies claimed especially this one or like grand theft auto stuff like that i can't imagine how much that must cost
0: yeah and i mean just to digress a little i'm actually interested to know how the total war thing happened in the first place because it is an experimental title in that series because it's a saga title and there's a one of the things I've seen people say is that they use these titles as like a testing ground for new mechanics. And people were theorizing that they used Troy as a testing ground for new siege mechanics, which a lot of people think desperately needed reworked. So I'm interested to know if they kind of came up with this idea on their own, like to just put it out for free as a testing kind of thing.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, who knows,
0: (laughs) but it would be cool to know. But unfortunately, I don't think we ever will. But yeah, back to Remnant. Um, I don't know. I'm really pleasantly surprised with it. And I love the aesthetic. Like, it kind of brings... When you're running around the city areas, especially, it kind of feels a lot like The Division, except for taken over by this, like, extremely, like, fantastical version of nature. And it's a crazy feeling especially with like all the reds and pinks everywhere like it just looks so like fantastical but also like it it feels plausible at the same time
1: yeah i don't know i i just really don't have much bad to say about it at all like it it seems to run really nicely the co-op experience is so smooth like one of my favorite games ever is the original Dark Souls, and I love playing that with people, but co-op in that game is such a pain in the ass, and I just, like, in in pretty much every FromSoft game, it's always, like, it's always way more annoying than it needs to be. And then I play this, and I'm just like, man, I, I wish it was always as easy as this. Like, it's so smooth, it all makes sense. It, it doesn't like... make
0: you disadvantage yourself to summon a friend.
1: Yeah, and it just, I don't know, like... Yeah, like everything about it is nice. Like, the I I really like the sounds, I really like it, it's very atmospheric. Like, I don't know, I, I think it's really cool. And there's so much lore, too, there's like a ton of it everywhere if you want to engage with that, but you don't have to, which I actually like because I don't, at least on my first playthrough, I don't really care. Um, at least when I'm playing with a friend, because there's all that, like, there's books everywhere that have like the computer way more terminals. Pages. Yeah, that have, like, way more text than you'd expect. Like, there's, like, a lot. Um, So it's nice to be able to just kind of skip it, and then, you know, maybe I'll play it again at some point and then go through that more more thoroughly. But I just, I like when games go down that route instead of having, like, all these long cutscenes that they want you to watch. Because, you know, sometimes you just don't want to. Like, when you're playing co-op or whatever, maybe you just want to skip that so you can keep going. Or not. Like, you know. But it's... It's just, it feels so well put together. And I believe they still have more DLC coming for it at some point. And I'm interested to see, like, what that ends up being. Because I think they did... The one that they did um, already was kind of like a smaller one. And they have, like, a larger one coming with more... I'm not sure if it's more story for sure yet, or um, what. Because, I mean, you know, I haven't beaten the game yet either, but I'm... I feel like I'll definitely want to play that if it's as good as this.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, like, it's it's just nice to see that somebody is taking things from Souls-Likes and making them, like, more accessible in a lot of ways. Because, you know, Souls-Likes are well and good for their audiences, but, like, the overall genre has not evolved that much. Like, they adhere to a strict set of formats and that those formats usually revolve around you know the checkpoints if they have co-op the impossible to ever maintain co-op the very difficult bosses that just require you to play over and over and over and over until you're sick of the game and just stuff like that you know like they all follow this same format but there's a lot that this genre does specifically that had not been taken and put into other places and i'm really glad to see remnant being one of those games
1: well and i think there's something to be said for the idea of like it letting you pick a difficulty level at the start and i'm pretty sure i'm just on normal two for the first time um and that's cool because it still feels challenging um on your first time but not, like, so much where it feels like you have to do the same boss, like, 10 times before you can get past it. Which I like, because, you know, if you really enjoy the game after playing it through that way, then you can turn it up and you can do it again. And I like that. Whereas, you know, sometimes with, like, I play a lot of difficult games and I like that. But sometimes also I do really just wish that I could, you know, move forward. Where So I, I think it's cool that, that this has, you know, kind of a difficulty setting. And you can adjust it, or you can take on extra challenges of your own in that way. But it's not like your first time, you have to do that. I think that's cool, because not everybody likes that.
0: But also, like sometimes you pick like hard, for example, and you're fine for one quarter of the game, and then you just hit a fucking difficulty wall, and you're like, why did I do this to myself?
1: (laughs) That was me with the God of War. The latest God of War. Because there's the difficulty setting that has a disclaimer. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And then I I was doing it, and it was so hard. It was the, easily the hardest thing I've ever played. <laughs> and I had to give up, because it was too hard.
0: Anyways, yeah, so if you're interested in Remnant, be sure to grab it on the Epic Game Store while it's free. Until, uh, what is next Thursday? It is the 20th, is when it's going to yeah. not be free anymore
1: i mean i've you know i would say do that with every game anyway because you might as well but like especially with this one yeah. it's so worth it and even if i like even if you don't really want the epic launcher i would say just try it just try remnant because it's so good like it's one of my favorite games that i've played in a while especially for
0: co-op because it does it so well just treat it as a demo if you really want to and then buy it on steam <laughs> Anyways, so that is our podcast for the week. Take care, everyone, and see you next week. Yeah, see you.